Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's only one word that matters in business in the early days, and that is the word survival. Whilst you're alive, throw yourself 100% into whatever you do and make the best of this wonderful life that we all lead. Hello and welcome to the Voom podcast from Virgin Media Business with me, Nikki Beatty. It's Global Entrepreneurship Week and a perfect excuse, therefore, to talk about expanding our horizons, getting out there and making those connections. Coming up later in the show, we'll be hearing from one of the special networking events that Virgin Pioneers have been hosting as part of the week, featuring a masterclass with happiness and change consultant Samantha Clark. In the studio today... We're following the theme of networking as we broach the business of love and connections. Our first guest today is one of the dating industry's biggest success stories. One you may not have heard much about, though. Turning over around £45 million a year and with a network approaching 50 million members worldwide, you might wonder why the name Ventro Media Group doesn't ring bells. Well, that's because theirs is a group of companies that powers many of the dating platforms worldwide with white-label services, providing technology that allows media owners, brands and just about anyone to build their own niche online dating sites. Looking after something like 25,000 sites worldwide, you'll suddenly start to realise that if you've used a dating website, there's a good chance this man might have had a hand in helping to set you up. I'm really pleased to welcome Ross Williams, founder and chairman at Ventro Media Group. Hello, Ross. Hello, Nikki. Good to be here. Did you like your intro? That was fantastic. I couldn't have uh, phrased it better myself. Good. Now, Ventro looks after a huge portfolio, including a number of app sites and also your own selves, right? If you had to pick out some favourites just for fun, what would they be? Well, we've, as you say, we've got thousands of uh, dating sites. Some of the fun ones, I'm very popular with dateginger.co.uk. If you want to meet a redhead, that's the place to do it. Uh, Rugbylovers.co.uk. Kind of the name gives that away, I think. But we, yeah, we have lots and lots of different niche sites in the UK, the USA, around the world, uh, all for different niches or niches, as I've learned to say in America. Some, for example, might be MiamiDating.com, BostonDating.com. In the UK, popular sites people may know is JustSingles.com. I had a big uh, TV campaign a year or two back. And Smooch.com as well. Smooch.com, that sounds so cute, doesn't it? And joining us, I'm excited to welcome another entrepreneur on a mission to connect people, but this time not for romantic ventures, uh, not to start with at least, who knows where he'll go on to, but for professional purposes. His new app, which launched last week. Absolutely, yeah. It's called Causa, that's C-A-U-S-R, and it's designed to create collisions between professionals on the go using a geolocation and micro status to connect 
connect people looking to network. And I'm sure we're going to have great fun talking about all this today. So a warm welcome to founder and chief collision maker, uh, James Eder. Is it Eder? Is that how I it pronounce is it? It is Eder, yeah, fantastic. So it's where does Eder come from, that name? So it's Austrian, actually. And do you, um, is, my, is that your... grandparents on my dad's side, So yeah. do you speak any other languages other than English? I don't, I can't. I'm not a, not a language person, but I'm going to visit Austria for the first time in a few weeks' time. It would have been my grandfather's 100th birthday this year. And unfortunately, he passed away a few years back. But we're going as a, as a kind of a, a reunion with my family. Back How to fantastic. Trace our steps. Yeah. And will your app work out of there? Absolutely. It's globally it launched last week, but globally around the world. This is fantastic. So, um, James, we should mention that Causa isn't your first venture. You're also co-founder at the highly successful student discount platform, Student Beans. That's right, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you got from Student Beans to Causa. Absolutely. So back in 2005, I was graduating from the University of Birmingham and I had this vision of how we can help students save money and how we can help businesses kind of engage with university students. Um, someone had given me a book which really powerful message. Imagine if you couldn't fail. Who would you be? Where would you go? And what would you do? And that was a book written by a guy called David Taylor, The Naked Leader. And I just thought, you know, a lot of friends and people were saying that you're too young to set up a business. You should go and get a bit more experience and then go and set something up. And I just thought, well, taking those words literally you know imagine if I couldn't fail I had to go and create this business and that was again 11 years ago now and we've now grown to over 30 employees full-time and I co-founded it with my brother so amazingly he runs it day-to-day full-time and I I left kind of uh, last October and the reason why is, I guess two related stories one was sitting on the underground a few years ago I sat next to a guy with a CV in his hand and I just turned to him and said Are you looking for a job short version of the story is end up saying yes and coming to work for Student Beans. And, you know, what stops most people from having those types of conversations? Well, one, we don't talk on the tubes in London, Absolutely do we? We all not. pretend not to see each other. That's one thing. Absolutely. And I think what, what really stops people is this fear of, like, the context of permission and then confidence. And the idea then of Causa was, like, if we can give people the permission and confidence to engage, and if I know a bit of information, we were just talking about yoga earlier, if I knew there was a yoga instructor sitting next to me, that might be an excuse to say, oh, I'm learning yoga at the moment and you break the ice and then and that's what causes all really about about facilitating that connection and just that brief summary or a little bit to be the icebreaker yes but it's not an icebreaker to just have a little chin wag with someone and find mutual interest explain how it works in terms of actually hooking people up for business and work you know another great example i mean i just shared you know ended up recruiting this this recent grad which was fantastic and had i been sent 100 cvs one, I might never have like discovered it or seen it, but his would have also been the best one. So I think that was that alignment. The other thing was um, actually Virgin related. It was a great story. I was sitting in the office speaking to a colleague about Virgin Experience Days, and they're powered by another company called Acorn, and said, really, we should maybe create a partnership ourselves with Acorn, similar to the from a white label dating side of things. And so 10 minutes later, I'm standing on Golders Green platform, and I can't hear something over the tannoy. Turn to the guy standing immediately next to me. Is there a problem? Is the train coming? No, no, train will be here soon. So he was wearing a black tie. So I was like, you're out, where are you off to? It's like I'm going to an awards ceremony about points and loyalty. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. He asked me what I did. I mentioned Student Beans and I asked him what he did. He goes, you've probably not heard of us, but do you know Virgin Experience Days? I'm like, yeah. He's like, we're the company that power them. And within 10 minutes, 
that guy was the exact person that I needed to meet. So do you have some sort of woo-woo new age attitude to this? I don't mean to put down people who believe in woo-woo new age things. That this is serendipity or synchronicity. Was it meant to be? Did you put that out into the universe and bring it in? Look, I think on the one hand you can say, yes, I, I put it out and I said, you know, 10 minutes later, I want to meet that person. But I think my whole highlight around kind of cause is those happen all around people every day. Those misconnections for most people would never have that conversation. And the idea then where causa then comes into its own is actually giving people the context of permission. You know, and if the app existed, I call that kind of a causa moment. Like if the app had existed, I would have seen that and I would have started talking. But, you know, that's the, that's the premise that we're bringing. So is it cause as in cause and effect? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. So how do you make your money? So, <laughs> so today there's, um, it's a completely free, free platform and that you can engage in. And we're going to be introducing kind of features further down the line that's going to add like more value. But we're always going to have an initial free version, which follows, again, very similar models. But it's about, for us and with Student Beans as well, when we started, how can we add value to the user? How can we make a difference? And um, we had our first version out a few months ago and we had around a thousand test users. And I was at, again, randomly at dinner a few weeks ago, there were about 50 people, sat next to this guy called James, started talking and I mentioned Student Beans. He's like, oh yeah, I used to use that when I was a student. I was like, great. And then I mentioned Causa and he's like, oh yeah, I've used that too. And I was like, oh, that's, that's kind of a bit, bit surprising because we were not quite launched yet, <laughs> yeah. but fantastic. Tell me a bit more about that. He's like, yeah, so I met someone who lived near me. He now we fenced together. He's coming to my wedding and we also did a business deal together. So did you just say we fenced together? Fence, yeah. Fencing. Yeah, yeah, fencing. No, 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 fencing. Fighting, fighting, fighting. I love how practical you are, Ross. I still think very, like, I'm still... I would like a fence, you know, that's useful. (laughs) You have a buddy to help you put up the fence. Uh, That as well. But no, they were doing proper, like, dive fencing. And um, anyway, so the the guy's going to win it. And also, they did a business deal. And I said to him, do you mind me saying, you know, I'll obviously off record if you want to let me know how how much money that that did a deal for you and what you're doing. Actually, this guy's in recruitment and helps businesses, helps execs but also startups recruit people and he goes no no happy to say on record it actually resulted in a half a million pound contract for this contact and that opportunity and that came from the first version of the app gosh wow. don't you want a cut of that well you know for me yeah you asked my revenue perhaps but it's actually the impact that we're having and already you can see just from that example mm. the impact that, that we can have and i believe you know the, the vision is to create millions of meaningful connections for people nearby all around the world every day okay and that's the beginning but but just to be more specific if i open if i download causa now yeah what will I find when I open the app? What sort of people could I connect with? So there's literally anyone from people in marketing, video production people. Um, it really varies. I mean, we're in the you know in the heart of Soho recording this now. There's people all around, and already there's hundreds of registered users. And actually, before you even log in, you can just see who's nearby now, and it shows you up to as close as 250 meters, and then that goes kind of further than that. So I guarantee, if you open it now in in London, you will see people. And as we grow, that will continue to happen more and more and then you can update your status which is a really good function so say for the next hour two hours 24 hours or you can have a permanent status just to share and broadcast Mm. so for example I'm looking for a producer for something or I'm looking for a, someone to record or a designer, whatever a it is you're looking for. Artist. Exactly, all of these different things. So you put that up and then you're broadcasting to let other people know. Where you're, but also if someone cancels a meeting. So you're like, I'm at a loose end. I've got another meeting at four, but anyone free for a coffee now? And then you can put that out. And, you know, all of us are busy working in co-working spaces or in coffee shops. And actually, 
if we knew a bit of context, we wouldn't mind saying something to someone, but everyone thinks everyone else is busy and we're very British and so we just don't talk. And so, yeah, that's what you brought up a couple of times. Yeah, the talking on the train brought that about for you. We're very British, so we don't do that. So I've done that. How much does it cost me to download the app? It's completely free. Um, It's available on the App Store now. And yeah, it's Causa, C-A-U-S-R. So I immediately, Ross, see parallels here between Causa and some of the famously known dating or hookup apps. There are links, aren't there, between these technologies? Well, I think it's all about creating encounters and helping people make a connection to what they're looking for. Now, you know, I don't make connections that uh, result in half a million pound deals, um, <laughs> but I do make connections that result in babies and weddings. And, you know, we get invites to them. We get pictures of babies. It's quite cool. Have you um, been named? There's a baby called, being called Ross I yet. don't think no, anyone's <laughs> named. If any of our customers customers would would like to name their baby Ross I, I'd gladly contribute to the uh christening or something i don't know so it, it's it's kind of like grinder for business people is it <laughs> oh i shouldn't say grinder what should i say you know Tinder. I, was, I was i was standing in uh, in line at an airport a few weeks ago and i i'm just guilty for just showing everyone and saying demoing the app and going what do you think and so yeah standing there showed this person that we're working for bank and they're like this is brilliant i oh, was it kind of like happened for business and i guess what what i love is is that people do a, apply their own approach so you kind of also get a bit of a sense when someone goes oh it's like Tinder for business or happen for business or grinder for business, depending on what kind of people associate with. Yeah. And it's up to them to do. But for us, it's not it's not us positioning. It's like, look, we're all around creating professional connections. And if people relate to it, you know, other people go, is it the Uber for people? You know, we bring people to you that nearby. And, you know, I also like that. Analogy oh, that's well. quite nice, too, isn't yeah. it? Why not? I think it's also fantastic to have a business orientated connection because, when I was doing online dating, extensive research for about 10 years, there would actually, you meet all kinds of people. So you might go on dates with someone and actually it results in more of a business relationship. Mm-hmm. You never know where these journeys will take you. But having something so that if you've, you know, there's an app called Happen, which is popular in London, where if you walk around the city, it, it's automatically tracking and says, hey, these are the people you could have bumped into. Um, not one of ours, I hasten to add. But these are ones you could have bumped into. And I, and I think having that for professional is fantastic. It's really so, useful. So, Ross, going back to when you started the, in the world of dating, this was well before the App Store was actually yes. launched. yes. So your first company, Global Personals, began in 2003, is Well, my, that right? my first company was actually a digital agency that I started at university called uh, Rawnet back in 97. I'm giving away my age a little bit there. So, you know, they're actually um, Ventro Media Group, which was originally Global Personals, was formed in 2003, myself and my business partner, Steve Paminter. Now, just looping back to uh, what James was saying about fortuitous connections, right. Our company exists because out of a dozen offices in Bracknell, I chose an office for the agency that Steve was working at. Right. That's how we met over a coffee machine. Our eyes met across the uh, the little canteen <laughs> there and we started talking. And, you know, the agency existed because while I was at university, uh, my creative director was a drummer in a band. I did musical theatre. I'm going for a lot of detail with musical theatre at university. Did and he, you? I, did you do Jazz Hands? I did Jazz Hands, did <laughs> yeah. Grease, West Side Story. Did you, what, what was your best role? I was actually the musical director. So, uh, oh, wow. I, so you so just yeah, bossed got, everyone around? Pretty much. And I've kind of got a taste for it and been doing it since, I think. 
Ross, how did your business start in terms of what your mission was? So going back, we're 13 years old now as a business. Uh, going back in the early days, we had an idea. You know, the, the white label model, and I should explain, white labelling is effectively creating the product and someone else putting their label on, putting their brand on. So if you walked into uh, Waitrose and you bought a box of Waitrose cornflakes, Waitrose do not make the cornflakes themselves, but what they do is put their brand on the box and they get people into the store, Okay. And with online dating, I felt that there was an opportunity to do something similar. I was actually going back in 03. I'd graduated, moved back in with parents. Um, uh, you know, where am I going to meet people? And it was the early days. So I was doing online dating. And a lot of online dating sites had the same database, similar sort of technology, and it was just their brand that was different. Mm. And I think anyone listening can look at any business ideas they've got or businesses they're running and, and consider how white labelling can help that. Because fundamentally, what it meant, we didn't have any money to start with, OK? We had just had a lot of student debt, although this was 2003, so credit cards were very easy to come by. Uh, probably not a great thing, as we kind of learnt six, seven years later. <laughs> but um, at the time, I remember myself and Steve, we signed up for half a dozen credit cards each and we would go on to Google AdWords and buy keywords and then people would search for those keywords and then join join our sites. So give me an example of the keywords that you would buy. Well, we started very unimaginatively with the keyword dating. So if someone searched for dating or online dating sites, and at the time that was really, really cheap. Now it's probably about £5 a click for something like that. But at the time it was cheap and these were in the early days of pay-per-click. And your mission was to provide a better set of dating services? It was fundamentally, you know, in the early days when you start a business, our our mission now is to help people make the connection to life they'll love. Yeah. But in the early days, we were, like many entrepreneurs, we were just scrapping, we were, you know, just trying to build. Uh, We thought it was a cool idea. We thought it was a way that would make money and we thought it was... uh, great thing we could offer take the white label approach because crucially it meant we could build our database using these partnerships so rather than us paying in the long term paying to acquire customers we would work with media companies like bauer media uh, like global radio uh, and and others who who had a radio station and newspaper or a magazine and we would help them create a site on our platform and because the white label dating platform was set up to create sites in minutes. It was very easy for us to do, very cost effective, and it worked for partnerships. And we had steady growth. It took us four years to get three million a year revenue. So from 03 to 07, went from nothing to three million. And then we went in another four or five years, went from three to 30 million a year revenue. And now we're topping out about 45 million uh, run rate. Congratulations. Well, we've had, we've certainly had problems over that time, but it's... Uh, well, come on then, let's hear the problems. I always like to ask this during the course of the podcast anyway. Um, problems hurdles, uh, failures, whatever you want to call them. So the lessons, the lessons we've learned over that time. Well, there's obviously been many. I mean, when you start a business in the early days, you don't know that it's going to be, you know, as big as as, as it can get and uh, with staff and things like that. Our biggest lesson, it's one I spoke about before, was going back a couple of years. We were growing like the clappers. We were um, signing up more partners. People were joining. We were taking lots of revenue. 
And we hadn't put enough redundancy in the business. We hadn't got strong enough foundations on our platform. And one of the issues we had was with credit cards and credit card processing. So people join an online dating site and then they might pay 50p a day, a pound a day. It's not a lot of money. We charge a month, so it's 20 to 30 quid a month that people would pay on their credit card. And a couple of years ago, we uh, had some problems with credit card processing. Because you only had one card available. We only had one processor. And this was one of the mistakes, is that when you're growing a business, it's easy to just want more sales and just want growth and not spend the time stepping back, dealing with um, things like my technical team call it technical debt, but it's where we've just built up a lot of legacy code that isn't needed and we're, you know, we're not uh, doing things in the optimal way. And uh, we didn't spend the time doing that. And that was that came down to my decision. So uh, then uh, a couple of years ago, we came off the rails a bit, lost our single credit card processor. And, and quite frankly, simply because they were changing their direction. They weren't really interested in online dating clients, uh, which was their decision. So other companies were affected. But we had to scramble around to find a new processor and then deal with the uh, the outcome for that. Um, and didn't you do it within 60 days? We did, yeah. It was the most intense period and we uh, we got pretty close to the wire but and when just... you got close to the wire what did that mean did you actually think that you weren't going to be I able consumed to consumed a lot of gin <laughs> uh certainly um no you're focused on doing what needs to be done and mm. ultimately this is where as a private company so i own three quarters of the company my business partner has got a quarter of the company we didn't have other shareholders to help us out and i think this is one of the downsides of being self-funded is i didn't have someone i could turn to and say you know, to an institutional investor or VC and angel say, okay, do you know how to deal with this? Mm. But we got through it. And you talk about fortuitous connections. You know, I met one or two people through, again, random connections that were in the credit card processing industry. And it was six months later that this happened and I could turn to them and say, hey, help. And we got through it. And it was a great team effort. Everyone really, really pulled together. And it was fantastic to get through that. But it did take the wind out of ourselves. But what it's meant is that we've spent all of last year going through the entire company and, and looking at redundancy in the system. So having multiple failovers, having even multiple offices. So our customer care fantastic team are based in Windsor and we've also got a moderation team in Manila in the Philippines. You've got so 24 we, hours, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, so every single profile and photo and first message is checked by hand. You know, one of the benefits of a paid dating site is that actually you can invest in the customer experience and someone's serious. If they're going to pay, they're serious. You know, I do wonder... Although I met my wife online, so yes, it, you know, it actually works. Um, met, met a couple of years ago. But I do wonder if in 100 years we're going to start digging up uh, bodies of people who've got just an enlarged thumb where all people <laughs> need to do is swipe to get a date. And that's not great for anyone. I think you know consumers are now asking, although apps have been fantastic, consumers mm. want a better experience, really. And people are serious. Like a virgin experience day, but for dating. Absolutely. That would, well, that'd be a fantastic thing to do. Get up in a balloon with, with eight people. I'm not getting up in a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, James, let me come to you now. You're just launching. You've launched mm. last week. This is your own company, but yeah. you can't ride on the coattails of bigger brands here. It's yours. So how do you plan to grow the business? 
Yeah, I think I think it's interesting. And actually, in terms of kind of riding on the coattails, we, we've actually, in a similar way, there are kind of partnerships and relationships. So within the app, the first view is who's nearest you now. Mm. Um, but then there are subcategories and you can join different groups. So one of them, for example, I graduated from the University of Birmingham. So you can actually go on and click and see who's near me from the University of Birmingham. So the University of Birmingham, they've got 300,000 graduates. So mm. anyone listening from Birmingham, you can go on, find, find that community. But, but similarly, we're going to be doing the same thing with other partnerships and other universities. So, yeah, we've got all these groups that you can actually join. And that's, so we are leveraging in a similar way and working with, with huge organisations to help them connect their employees, their alumni, etc. So what have been the main hurdles for you that you've encountered so far in this project, in Causa? Yeah. Although I suppose you could bring in student beans, couldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting kind of um, sitting opposite from Ross in terms of like the journey and hopefully in a few years time, I look forward to talking about the amount of turnover and people and millions of users, which I very much look forward to. But I think there's an essence and structure and some of the things we're talking about, like the business of doing business that I call the actual fundamentals, no matter what business you're in, the systems, the structures, the processes and things that just as an entrepreneur, I think, you know, we get caught up in like what we think is important, but there's some structural fundamentals that are really, really key. And one of them is, you know, from a recruitment and finding like the best talent and best team and I, I think that's like really really important and that's I think one of the challenges um, of, you know when we started now there's a team around 30 people at Student Beans now and which is fantastic and I think they've got a fantastic team there but starting back again mm. there's just not enough hours in the day uh, and, and it's so exciting and exhilarating but there's just so much so much to do. Now that's interesting because it, obviously if it is your own business you, you just fill every minute every second of your day until you get everything done and you get things the way you want it how do you strike a good work-life balance um i want to remove this context of work-life balance to be honest because for me it's about life and whether you're enjoying it or not and in the last you know 11 years of my previous company maybe i i feel like i worked six months perhaps because that was the times i really didn't enjoy it i found frustrated and Mm each of those points I kind of actually reflected and go you know what I shouldn't be doing the job I'm now doing so I need to change my job and I need to evolve and I need someone else to do the bits that I'm not enjoying because this is it it shouldn't feel like hard work I mean it is hard and you enjoy and you put in the hours but I think that's reframing so you know this work-life balance context I, I kind of disagree I don't know what, what do you well, think yes, Ross, yeah. yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with James more I think that as well, entrepreneurs your wife whips you into doing yoga doesn't she uh, I, I she's a yoga teacher for all of you <laughs> listening by the way there's <laughs> nothing weird or kinky what that, might that, that might that might help with the yoga look the uh well, we, I'm, I'm just having visions now of, of that, Nikki. <laughs> work-life well, balance, Work-life balance. Work life balance. You. Do you have well, a you, you know, I think not, I mean... that it, <clears throat> for anyone in business starting their own company, the, the, the work is their life and it can mm. become a sense of identity. Mm. And that has its pros, but, you know, that can make it difficult. And, you know, in the tough times, it's very easy for entrepreneurs to take it personally and see that, you know, as a business hits its challenges, you start questioning yourself and why you're doing what you're doing and everything else. So James is absolutely right. If you are certainly if you're running your own business and you're not enjoying it, that's crazy you know there's so much you sacrifice but i do think with people generally if you know if they wake up on a monday morning and they don't like their job and they Mm. need this clear separation of job and home life life's so short you've got to do what you love and you know if you're not enjoying it please please try to change it that's really really interesting advice and i live my life like that i'm not an entrepreneur i certainly don't make good money but I love getting up in the morning and going to work. I love what I do. And I don't see a separation. And I, 
I found that as well, actually, like more recently. So 11 years of doing the same thing. And like right now I'm in this 18 hour day mode and I wake up in the morning and I, I can't sleep. I'm so excited to get up <laughs> and to do more and to do new and to try and, and all of these things. You know, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. And like I'm not advocating everyone go and start a business. But if you do want to and you've got an idea and you're, you've got something that you want to bring to the world, like, you know, you've got to give it a go. Um, that's important. The other thing on a very, very practical level is I ended up being introduced to a fantastic book called Getting Things Done by a guy called David Allen. And this was a few years ago and it fundamentally changed the way that I work and made me much more effective. And in terms of that work-life balance that you spoke of earlier about knowing, you know, what we can do, I think the world's changed, which before you used to have an in-tray or you used to have a to-do and you finished it and you could leave at the end of the day going, I've done everything that I'm going to do today. Mm. The world has changed. We are never finished. And as entrepreneurs, you're never, there's always something more we could be doing. And it's actually being comfortable with that, knowing, look, I've done everything that I can do today and now I can go out and have a meal or see a friend or whatever and, and try and do that disconnect. Um, but getting things done fundamentally as a system changed my life. On the subject of doing what you love and getting the balance right, we've got wise words coming up from Samantha Clark, a happiness and change consultant who on Tuesday spoke at one of the Virgin Pioneers events during Global Entrepreneurship Week. She's got some really excellent tips on taking on challenges like a pro. But before we hear from her, a few words from Katie Buchanan at Virgin Pioneers to set the scene. I'm Katie Buchanan, I'm Head of Sustainability at Virgin Media and my team are responsible for Virgin Media Pioneers and today's event. Virgin Media Pioneers is an online community of peer-to-peer support, advice and inspiration to help small businesses in the UK to grow. This week is Global Entrepreneurship Week and we are using the week to celebrate uh, small businesses in the UK. So we're bringing together some leading thinkers and experts and people who have been there and done it to really share their experiences with people who are just starting out to try and help them to grow their business. A big part of today at our Vegemina Pioneers event is the Masterclass session and today we have Samantha from the School of Life coming to talk about the challenges that you can face in starting up or growing your business and how to um, overcome them. Hi, my name is Samantha Clark. I'm a happiness and change consultant and a lecturer at the School of Life. And I've just completed a Masterclass on how to take on challenges like a pro. I think there's so much attention that's being paid to, you know, getting the right business idea and getting uh, the funding and setting up the best website. But one of the biggest barriers is our own kind of beliefs in who we are as a person. And a lot of that can affect how we deal with tragedy, challenges, you know, business plan not working out, not finding the right supplier. It's your attitude towards all of these areas of adversity that can hold you back. So it's the negative chatter. It's the thinking about the language that you use around the failure or the setback and navigating that so you can kind of move forward successfully. So a couple of things, I would definitely say to try and remain present. Like, so if something crops up, notice your immediate kind of reaction, like have a gut understanding of what you almost default to and think, actually, I'm going to step back and look at what the problem is and identify it's a good or a bad challenge. Like what kind of skills do I already have within me to move forwards and to try and look at it from a future perspective? I think often problems come up and we sit and we wallow in it and it's important to think what do I want it to look like on the other side and what are the steps that I need to take to move forwards to do that 
and then start with a course of action. So each time, just be present with the feeling. Know something's come up, but think actually, what do I want to look like on the other side? What am I going to do to move forwards towards that? And who can I work with to help me get there? Like, so think about collaborating because knowing the framework that you have around you and the people that you could reach out to for support can help you tremendously. I think it's really important to think about the people, if you were just to name top five people in your life that you could go to in times of crisis or in times of a challenge or when you just need a little bit of a pick-me-up, sit down and just assess the people that you have in your life. You know, we are the sum of the people that we hang around with the most. So how are they encouraging your tenacity, your spirit, your ideas, or are they weakening your resolve? Are they not there for you in times of crisis? So navigate the people that you have around you in your life and think, you know, if I want to get to here, how am I going to build the support system to help take me to each place? And also, once you have the support system in place, how are you able to give back? Because it's a a two-way thing and it should be transformational rather than transactional. So my tips on finding someone that could be a coach or a mentor is, you know, do your analysis on the type of person you want to become the type of business you want to create and the type of areas that you need to filter out in yourself and start doing some research on those types of people. I mean, one of the coaches that I worked with, I literally just stalked her website for ages and I emailed her and said, I really love what you're doing. I'd love to figure out how to work with you right now. I probably could only afford this, but you know, what could I do in exchange or how could we start to build a relationship where I can work towards working with you all the time? And then our relationship has just blossomed over the, I think it's nearly five years I've known her. So I would always say to people is reach out, find some books, talk to people. You don't know who could connect you to a podcast that they listen to, which will help elevate you in some way. So, you know, build a kind of framework of the types of advice that you need. And if you see that there is one person who consistently talks in a way that you want to learn more about, just approach them. Just be very honest and open. Offer them something of value as well and um, know that, It doesn't take much to reach out to somebody. And if you do it effectively, people are more than welcome to help you. Thanks to happiness and change consultant Samantha Clark speaking there and to Katie Buchanan from Virgin Pioneers. Do check out the Virgin Pioneers website, pioneers.virginmedia.com and see how you might be able to get some advice from the Pioneers Network. You're listening to the Voom podcast from Virgin Media Business with me, Nikki Beatty, and I'm with Ross Williams from Ventro Media Group and James Eder from Causa. It's Global Entrepreneurship Week, so please do get in touch and join the conversation. Tell us what you've learnt this week by using hashtag Voom on Twitter. Ross, we heard some great advice there on taking on challenges. Do you have any quick tips for James at this early stage in terms of getting his brand out there? Well, I think he's doing a great job being here. You know, and at a startup phase, we've all been there. Those 18-hour days are you're enjoying, you're passionate about it. He's out meeting people. You know, James is obviously very gregarious and is far better at uh, meeting and making new connections than I. So uh, given he's a serial entrepreneur, I I think Cause is going to go on to uh, wonderful things. Um, Yeah, there's nothing uh, like it in the market. Helping people make the connections is something at Ventro we're very keen on. So uh, I 
I, I don't think James needs much advice from me. Although yoga will help you sleep. You're having these sleepless nights. Try yoga. You'll be too knackered to think about anything after that. <laughs> if you're doing it properly. But um, um, for those of you listening, we did have a little preamble, a little chat before the podcast was actually being recorded. And James has already said that the yoga he likes is child's pose. That's not going to exhaust you, is it? <laughs> you know, I, I was at a, a yoga session and I, I kind of thought, look, I'll, I'll do everything that I can do and do any of the moves that I can. And I'm sitting at the back of the room trying to be discreet. And so I said, you know, and there was a move coming out. I was like, no, definitely can't do that one. So I put myself into the child's pose and breathing. Anyway, I look up and suddenly the whole room's looking at me <laughs> because they'd all turn round in their movement. And I just, all right, oh. no eye contact, put my head down and, uh, and moved on. I'm like, have they turned around? Have they turned? So I, I didn't go back to that class again and left quite sheepishly. But, I uh, think that's adorable, anyway. but that is still also good <laughs> advice to exhaust yourself physically in some way. Uh, but Ross, you did actually, you, once you started expanding, you launched more brands along the way, didn't you? Yes, absolutely. So our core business at Ventro is the white label dating.com platform. It's what people use to create their own dating sites. So that's the majority of our business. But ultimately, it's about helping people make the connection to life they'll love. So sometimes people want to have a mobile app experience. So we've got Smooch and Gco lets people meet on their app. And we just got a range of different products suitable for different times in your lives. You know, let's say you're late teens, early 20s, you move to the big city with work, you're, you're growing your career, you're probably looking for a different kind of relationship then than maybe your late 20s, early 30s. Maybe you're looking for things to do, you should be doing the virgin experiences dating concept. Um, it's, it's more about doing things together in your early 20s late 20s maybe looking for something else and whatever people are looking for whatever kind of niche they're into where they want to date gingers or rugby lovers or anything else whatever your peccadillo we uh you know we want to make sure there's something right for the consumer what about people who don't find a match then i mean they they must be good for these apps because they keep coming back or don't they i mean well, do you, you have know, data I, on that i i can actually talk at a personal level because yeah. i was doing online dating for about 10 years and i met some fantastic people and i had great relationships often timing's everything you know, frankly, at a personal level, if I'd met my wife 10 years earlier, I don't think that would have worked out. And also a lot of online dating and, you know, life generally is it's about working on yourself. Mm. And my approach and when my friends are single and they come to me and ask about, you know, what, what should I do with online dating is just you're not going there to look for, you know, uh, the wife or the husband. It's something to do. Just say, look, just treat each day as if nothing else, you'll meet someone new, probably have fun, you'll have some stories and treat it that way. And um, I think that works really, really well. And I've got great friends I've met who, you know, maybe I started on a date and then realised that wasn't quite right. But you make new friends along the way. Did you need to take on big investments in order to grow? No, so we've actually built our business with no external investments. And that's one of the unique things. So we're now at 45 million a year revenue. And we haven't got any other outside shareholders, myself, Steve, are the guys who founded the business, we still run. So I'm the chairman, he's the CEO, Steve now runs the business, I took a step back a couple of months ago. But we don't have external investors. It's something now we're looking at, because actually, you know, we're now at the stage where we've proven the business 13 years old, it's solid, it's mature, we now want to scale it. And actually, we could scale it through our own cash flow. We're cash generative. We're, you know, we could do it that way. 
but it might be good to bring on investors who've got some experience as well in scaling more into the US, the European markets, things like that, if you can get their experience and knowledge, you know, rather than just a check. So what advice would you, and I'm going to ask you this too, James, what advice in general would you give to entrepreneurs listening right now looking to grow? So I'm asked to invest in companies now and uh, these entrepreneurs are looking to grow. I think one of the biggest problems comes around valuation. Now, given that your chances of success are slim, it is far better to have good investors in that can give you know, a decent chunk of their time and their money, but they're going to want 10%, 15 20% of the business. Now, there was a dating app recently that was uh, crowdfunding and it was valuing itself at £2 million. Mm. Now, that level of valuation was just too high because if I'd come in and invested in that business even for 10% of it, it was, you know, massive and the chances of success are slim. Whereas if they'd had a, a more realistic valuation, they would have got me on board, other people on board. Uh, so I'd say, you know, if, if people are looking to fundraise, just be sensible. An idea really isn't worth much, okay? Execution is key. Uh, ideas, we've all had them ever since Eve met Adam, but trust it for me, execution is the key. That was poem by Felix Dennis, and he was I absolutely Felix. bang on. Yeah, I did, uh, in guy. fact, I did the voiceover for the documentary about him. Oh, wow, yeah. okay. <laughs> James, what sort of tips do you have? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people look at these things, and including Dragon's Den, and think these kind of overnight successes. And I think also with Student Beans, kind of the amount of time and work and what actually goes in behind the scenes to build the brand. And I know going back to the beginning, you know, again today, and looking at kind of working with people in my team, thinking there are some longer term things that I can be doing today. So building these bigger partnerships with, with organisations. But actually, there's also the short term things that I can be doing, which is literally going and knocking on doors and speaking to people and saying, hey, sign up to this app today you know that will show me each day growing 10 20 50 100 users and it's balancing those two things and i think like both need to be done but it's doing the hustle it is literally getting out there and telling and when i moved into my new flat i met someone my neighbor and they go oh i know student beans yeah you helped me save all this money and you actually you came into my house and i was going door to door this is back in birmingham and I went door to door knocking and I, I spoke to why did we sign up 15,000 people in our first year? I spoke to 15,000. I probably spoke to 30,000 or whatever mm. and how many of them signed up. And, and I still meet people years and years later. And, you know, I remember also flyering and this girl goes, it's just a website. You know, don't get too excited about it. And then a few days later, she came back. She's like, this is amazing. I've saved money here and I've got this discount here. And, and you, you could feed off that. But, you know, I was willing to do, I guess, what others wouldn't. And I think... I was at an event a few weeks ago about um, talking about an investor event and this woman stands up and goes, oh, I don't invest in, um, you know, spotty teenagers that just think that they'll be the next dot-com millionaires or whatever. And the guy next to me nudged me because, suggesting I was one of them. And I go, look, you know, I've given clearly the wrong impression. Like, I am working so hard and believe in it and I don't just turn up at 10 at the office and see what I can try and make and spend, you know, my investors' money. Like, we did do a round of investment earlier this year, which was brilliant. But it's, you know, I take that such a, a burden and responsibility to go and make a difference and make it work, and I'm working at that. Well, you canvassed and you did it personally. Let's talk about the human sides of your businesses because actually both of you have responsibility for people's connections, certainly in the dating world, Ross. So how do you keep people safe and what sort of challenges have you had 
in terms of that side of the business? Yeah, thanks for asking me about this. I think the responsibility when it comes to dating, social networking is huge. And it's something we've invested in a lot, frankly. So the advantage of a paid site, so if you joined up to Just Singles, it's not like a, an app, you actually have to give your details and then to contact people, you know what, you need to pay. So you have to take out a credit card. It's not a lot, but you need to pay for it. So uh, what do we do? Well, first of all, anyone you hear from on there has had to pay to contact you. So we've got their credit card. They will have had to submit a photo and a profile. Before that is published, that is checked by hand. Every single photo, every single profile is checked by hand. Now, mm. bearing in mind, we'll have 30,000 people join up today and every day. We're doing almost a million registrations a month on our sites, right? So that's a lot of people to check. And all of that is checked by hand. And it's you know, we we could have done it cheaper. We could just moderate afterwards. So it, you complain about a profile or photo and then it goes to moderation. But we've stuck to our guns and we check everything by hand before it goes live. That's the first level. Wow. The second level is we've got software in the background that is checking for any suspicious activity. Because there are problems with online dating. There's lots of people there and it does attract, like anything, some... Uh, unsavoury characters. Unsavoury characters. Uh, you talk about dating scams. So a dating scam is two people in conversation and a scammer will try to build up a relationship with someone through the site, much like they do on Facebook or car classified ads or anything else. Build up a relationship on the site. And then get the recipient to send them money and say, you know, I want to come and see you. Can you send me money to get an air ticket? So what we have is software in the background that is looking for this kind of communication and automatically, obviously, we can't monitor every message that's sent. But have you There's, got keywords or You're actually like looking that? at activities. I, I won't give too much away, okay, but I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. One of the things we look at, a real human who's being authentic. You might look at 10 guys or 20 guys or 30 guys and only send one of them a message. Because yes. you're being relatively picky, perhaps. Oh, you're going to say that they send them to and everybody. And they send one-to-one. Yeah. One. So right. you're looking at profile views, mm. ratio of profile views to messaging. If it's one-to-one, one, that's dodgy. Now, there's about 50 other ratios like that that we're monitoring every second in the background to keep our members safe. And we work closely with the Online Dating Association. So for any, any of your listeners, uh, if you go Google for Online Dating Association, the ODA websites lists its members. And these are the good guys in the sector. These are the people who actually really invest and care about the customers and mm. invest in that customer experience. Always make sure uh, someone is a member of the ODA. So, James, you're dealing with an app. You've created an app that encourages people to meet up. So what sort of precautions have you been thinking about so far? Or maybe you've already put things in place. Yeah, definitely. I think it's really important. I think from day one, you know, safety is such a key thing and obviously trust in terms of the brand and integrity and in what we're doing. Um, so a few things around it. One is we actually use LinkedIn to log in. So from a profile perspective, so it pulls your photo, your job title, the company mm. that you work at, your summary and basic information there so that's I think quite key so by showing and, and that context and information again there's that level that's like really key the other thing is what's interesting is there are other apps that I know that have done you can see where people are on a map and now we don't do that. So you can see who's nearest within 250 metres and then it goes out by kilometre. And that's also key. So you can't specifically pinpoint exactly kind of where someone is. And then there's also the standard like safety guidelines around, you know, make sure you meet in a public place, make sure, you know, there's context, there's people around. Don't get in a car when you're meeting someone. I mean, those kind of things. But 
you know, I think what's really interesting, and there's a lot to do with timing around Corsa and, and what it is today, thinking about things like Uber carpooling, where you can now share a car with somebody else. Oh, I can't think of anything um, worse. So interestingly, clear, I've, got a, I've got a good story related. So the last car I Uber pulled with, I got in the car after this person, and it turns out that he was visiting from Japan and used to work in um, or studying law. And he was just in London for the week and going to a concert nearby in Camden. So it's really fantastic. I mean, the guy turns out, he mentioned law and I mentioned student beans and he goes, oh, I met the founder of that's dad a few years ago at an event. I was like... Yeah, that's my dad. And they'd, they'd met, and then it turns out he was in ed tech and doing this thing about teaching people languages online. And wow. I said to him, you know, I know some people in the ed tech investment scenario because of student beans. He's like, look, I know that we've only just met, but would you mind meeting my co-founder tomorrow morning? And we met up at Paddington Station. I met his co-founder. I introduced him to a couple of people. And again, just from this Uber pool experience. So, See, yeah. you're just a chatterbox. Yeah, this is what it is. <laughs> yeah, but you also, I, I mean that with the most warmth, obviously. Some people then go, you know, not everyone's like me, which is probably definitely mm. a good thing. And for, for listeners thinking, oh, I'm more reserved or, you know, I don't have the confidence to do, you know, James is talking about all these different scenarios and I actually I'm going to bring my dad into this again so in the context of Corsa for me is I love it I find naturally I just there are opportunities and it just seems to be everywhere but mm. what stops a lot of people still so my dad was on a train down from Newcastle and they were stopped at Milton Keynes and my dad just thought what would James do in this situation he thought right I'm going to stand up and I'll ask does anyone want to share a car back to North London and so these two women go, yep, great. So they get in the car and they're driving back to North London. And my dad goes, well, whereabouts are you going? And they go, oh, this specific road. And he didn't think anything more of it. He goes, oh, what number on that road? And the number and the house that they were going to was the house that my dad used to own. And I lived in that house for the first five years of my life. And it was the grandmother of one of those people that owned that house now. Is there some like quantum mechanics or quantum physics thing where you're living in a parallel world I and just, goes through wormholes? I don't know, but my, my genuine belief is, like, <laughs> you know, my dad using the what would James do is yes. for me, Causa is almost that for, for everyone in the world to be able to go on the app and to create these serendipity and manufacture these collisions and connections. Yeah. So it's really who would James talk to? That's it's the other a digital thing, which... James. If you, want a James <laughs> if you want James in your pocket, yeah. Download Causa. I think that's really lovely. Um, and talking of meetings, we have established, Ross, that you met your wife uh, online. You got married. When did you get married? Uh, just over a year ago. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Which website did you meet on? Uh, <laughs> it was actually a website. It's not one of ours. Not it's, Ginger. Uh, okay. it's not Day Ginger, no. It was a website called, still going today, called lovestruck.com which is a good thing. She could have joined one of mine and I would have got maybe 30 quid a month from her as well. But uh, I got a ring, so that, that's good. Juice. And yoga lessons as well. And, and free yoga <laughs> lessons as well. We've talked about failures. We've talked about work-life balance and the fact that both of you pretty much reject that, that that even needs to be a consideration and it's not a concept that you think about. But do you think that you've got a particular style of business that works for you? If you were to define your style of business, then maybe that has to do with the way you treat other people. So for me, I think maybe you can hear about my narrative and the stories and the excitement and the passion and the vision around, I'm here to do something big in the world. Like, and, and for me, that's what motivates me. That's what gets me excited and kind of uh, about getting going. I'm not a detailer in impressive. Like I need the right team around me to help support. And some people, it's amazing meeting them to say, I'm, I'm doing this new company. They're like, okay, and who's, who's your Michael? And I say my Michael, that's my co-founder of my previous business. And Michael is just so methodical and system and process mm. and the business needs 
both. And I think that's why the Beans Group and Student Beans as we grew was successful because there was that partnership now. And so I'm, I'm a sole founder today and I'm definitely feeling a little bit like, am I missing something? But my, my line was really, it's about finding them the team around it. I think there's a big argument and maybe listeners thinking about, should I found it myself or should I do something different? And maybe Ross, it would be great to hear your view of, if you've got the co-founder, I think it's always greener on the other side. If you've got a co-founder, you've got everything to share with. But then if you want to go and do something, the co-founder's like, well, no, I don't want to do that. Mm. And it's making sure that you're both aligned and doing the same things. Whereas now I'm like, right, got up, we're going to do this today. And I'm like, where's my co-founder? Okay, let's just get on with it. And that's exciting. But I am very aware from a strength that I need then the team around me and for future investors listening or people potentially, it's I'm aware of what my strengths are, but then it's not about a sole founder or a founder, it's about the team. Have you ever cried at work in a work situation out of utter frustration or or that's because something's gone wrong? I was. My worst, one of my worst scenarios was actually in Sheffield um, and it was raining and I was going door-to-door selling. And that's again coming back to the hustle, right? Mm. And I was literally knocking on doors and I went to this restaurant and then someone else came in and literally screamed at me. It was like, get out, we're busy, you know, and, and all of this. And I was completely kind of taken aback. And here I am, you think, look, I'm 22 and you've got, you know, the youth get such a bad rap in this country, often for, you know, not contributing or you know, mm. being lazy. And here I am, a 22-year-old, not sitting on the or not you know wasting my time trying to build a business and that's the response I get from another potential business owner or a manager and I left that restaurant feeling properly trodden on mm. and I calling a friend of mine and I was in tears and I just thought you know why am I doing this and right. we just launched in Birmingham we had about 15,000 users in our first year and my friend just said just remember look, what you've already done and the things and just don't worry about it keep going and I did I got in the car that day and I did drive home I went back though again and you know that's the testament you know we've signed up you know hundreds of thousands of people not quite on the millions this month <laughs> but we're a, a niche or a niche market um, but globally over you know 100,000 new users just this month as well Fantastic. from my previous business and you just got to keep going and that's mm. the belief and the drive and everything that comes together. I think also you know in the early days firstly I think it is easier for me having such a good co-founder who is the detail guy in our business he runs the company and I might go out and talk about it but he's really the brains running mm. the business I think that every entrepreneur's job is to make themselves redundant. You know, you set the vision, you bring in fantastic people. And if you just say, I want us to deliver this and I want to make myself redundant from the company, then you'll get there. And, you know, four months ago, I was fortunate enough to be able to have the business everything sorted, ready to go. And I stepped into the chairman role. So I'm no longer in the day to day operations of the business. And it's working, it's working really well, the business is growing, that's fantastic. One of the things I thought when I started is that the entrepreneur is the energy, we set the vision, and we've got to be the energy train and always be positive, always be positive. And then when we had the, the difficult times, I realised actually people want you to be authentic. They don't want you to be this robot. And if, you know, you can actually say, yeah, I'm feeling it, it really galvanised people. I remember our receptionist came up to me, put her arm around me and said, you know, are you OK? Mm. And that was the first time anyone said that to me. And, you know, the, the difficult thing is being an entrepreneur is that people rarely say well done because they just think that you're on top of the world and you're always driving it and forget that there's a human in there who's never done this before. Uh, there's no book to, there's plenty of books being an entrepreneur, none that I read. And, uh, you know, you, you, you basically chart your own course and you make these mistakes and it can be 
tough times like that. I can well, I'd like yeah. to say well done to both of you. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Do you want to add Sorry. something? No, I was going to say, I, I, I completely agree, you know, with, with Ross. And I think two things. One was about the authenticity and just being being real and being vulnerable and just sharing. Like, I just mm -hmm. think, you know, there are ups and downs. And yes, with it, like, the energy and to bring. And entrepreneurs joke going whenever they meet anyone. Event, yeah, everything's amazing. It's going so well. And then you get home and you're like, oh, my God, I'm just surviving. What's, what's <laughs> happening? And I think, you know, that's... It's a that's, brave face. It is, it is a brave face. And you do need to kind of do, do and get there. The other thing I say is interesting because because serendipity as well, we ended up meeting for the first time, what, three weeks ago um, at an event, something called the Young Guns. I heard and, all about it. Which was fantastic. But the, the context is was also around awards. And I think for entrepreneurs, like you said, sometimes it's only and very rarely do we get like a pat on the back and saying kind of well done. And I think awards are... Don't get distracted by them, but at the same time, there's opportunities to apply and then getting some public recognition for actually the hard work that you've done. I would say focus on doing great things. Don't chase the awards, but if there's a right fit and right opportunity for you either to apply or be nominated and you've got something to shout about that you mm -hmm. have really you know, achieved and done. And there are different ones for every scale from right at the beginning of starting up right through to the, you know, the multi-million pound businesses. And I think that's uh, partly a recognition that we've both, I think, been recognised over the years for um, with... I'm really, really proud of, and it's it's not just for me, it's for the team to show, look, we're an award-winning business. Well, may your trophy cabinet just bow under the weight of all your awards. Thank you both very much for being here, and well Thank done. You. Well Thank done. you. Thank well you very much. Done. A huge thank you to my guests today, Ross Williams from Ventro Media Group and James Eder from Causa. The Voom podcast is a Pixu production for Virgin Media Business. Remember, if you'd like more entrepreneurial content tips and podcasts, just head to virgin.com where you'll find loads of articles to sink your teeth into. And if you'd like to get in touch, just use the hashtag VoomPodcast on Twitter or leave us a review on iTunes. Enjoy the rest of Global Entrepreneurship Week. For now, from me, Nikki Beatty, see you next time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.